Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today, we're going to be talking with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Of course, about USC's 48-28 loss to Oregon on the road up in Eugene. I was up there. It was very, very cold. We'll try to do our best to answer all of your questions about what was going on with the team and where they go from here. Of course, they still control their own destiny in the Pac-12 South. It can make a Pac-12 championship game and a Rose Bowl berth if they're able to beat UCLA and Stanford in back-to-back weeks. So for your questions, we're going to try to get to as many as we can today. We've got so many. Uh, we'll probably not get to all of them, and I'll try to like you know combine some of the redundant ones. But if you want to send them in a question, send in a question. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, or you can call us at 641-715-3900, extension 816-646. Uh, hit the pound sign. You can leave us a voicemail there. We've probably got three or four voicemails this week that we're not going to be able to play because they're over a minute long. If anything's over a minute, we're not going to play it, so try to keep it tight. If you keep rambling on, I know you want to get your, your point across, but we just can't play really long voicemails on the show, so I apologize for that. You could also go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, click on the left side of the page, leave a voicemail there, and then on iTunes.com, go to iTunes.com slash Podcast. Best way to subscribe to the show, you can leave us, leave us a five-star rating that really helps us bump up the ranks and gets more of you guys involved in the show, so we, we really appreciate it if you do that. And want to bring in the coach. Coach, what's going on? How are you? Well, good morning, everyone, and happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Uh, I'm planning on having one that had a lot of great football this week. I'd say it's unbelievable as far as with the USC-UCLA game and what that does mean to both universities. And also, how about the other great great uh, cross-country rivalries? I Man, I'll take great, great football and want to... Uh, Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. And, Ryan, we've got so many questions, as you told me before we started this podcast, that we don't have time for small talk, okay? <laughs> so let's get started. Yeah, well, we have time to thank our sponsor, so I'm going to do that. Southern California Tickets, you go to sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for anything. Uh, you want to go to a Laker game, Clipper game, all that kinds of stuff, Kings, Ducks, of course, one last USC football game at home versus UCLA, so you can do that all at US, at sctickets.com. And, uh, Coach, like I said, so we got a ton and ton of questions. Um, so I'm going to play this one first. We got another female caller, which we love. So let me play this one, and we'll start off the show with this. Hi, Ryan. This is Cece calling from Georgia. My husband and I love your podcast. After watching the game yesterday, I noticed a lot. We have a problem with fundamental football, discipline football, and execution football. And to me, that is a coaching problem that has been with us for some time now. We need to get back to teaching these kids so that they get better year after year. It comes down to leadership. I want to see my quarterback grab the face mask of his center and tell him, get the snaps right. I want to see the coach gather his team and lead. What are your thoughts, Coach Hyde? Fight on. Well, I'll tell you, thank you very much for calling, and she's prepared. Now, I'm telling you, she's coming into this question prepared, and I like that. When she has definite answer or question, she has, and we'll try to answer it. You know, I'm more the uh, old type of coach, like it sounds like uh, you and your husband are, 
uh, I'm the type of guy that I believe that if you know, I used to do this, guys, and I used to go out and teach without a football on the field. Can you believe that? Our first practice, I didn't take any football on the field. But if we couldn't line up right, and if we couldn't do all our formation and recognitions of formations, we used to go out and the offense would break the huddle and we'd line up in this formation, one motions, the defense would be on the other side and make all the adjustments. Every type of formation we would have. Because before you snap the ball, if you don't know who you have or what your, what your alignment is supposed to be or whatever, how, what's the difference what happens to the play? And I think we all notice that, that there's a lot of confusion on both sides of the football, which is which is uh, nothing uh, positive to say about. I mean, when you uh, when you're confused in the secondary, you give a big plays, and that's what happened. When you line up on the line of scrimmage, and you're not sure who you're going to block, or you're not sure what the routes are going to be. And if you see the same things that I see, you see two people in the same area, two or three yards away from each other on a pass route. They're not. Routes aren't designed to have that happen. Either the routes are wrong or the kids are going the wrong way or the kids don't know what they're supposed to do. And when you see Pat, when you have third and seven and you run a pass route for three yards and now it's fourth and four, to me that doesn't make sense. And I'm not trying to hammer this in and point the negative things out, but I'm trying to answer your question. You got to be able to get off the football. You got to be able to own the line of scrimmage. You got to be you got to be able to wrap up and cover, and you've got to have your players at the right position where they can excel. Now, Ryan, you tell me how long have I been telling you that Marshall is not a corner? Now, tell me how long have I been telling you that? You've been uh, you're saying that for quite a while. <laughs> quite a while, and the kid is a great athlete, but he's not a corner. He's a Sue Craven type of player. He could be great as a linebacker, a rover, whatever they want to call the position that Sua plays. But he doesn't have the flexibility at the hips and the burst and the speed to cover outstanding receivers, especially when they have a lot of time and open field. So it makes the kid look like he can't cover, and then the defensive back says, it is what it is. It isn't is what it is. It's it you've got, that coach says that, it isn't is what it is, it's, put the people in the position that they can best excel and make sure they have a game. Now, I've got to give credit to Olajuwon Tucker. I mean, he had a great game for his first starting game. I mean, nine tackles, nine tackles and one for two-and-a-half-yard loss. Hey, that's pretty good. But, again, let's go to the other side of the football. You can't even snap the football right to your quarterback. Go to Kessler when you're in the spread formation. Get out of the spread then. Cody, before he's doing anything, is trying to figure out where is the ball going to be on that snap. Is it going to be a good snap or is it not going to be a good snap? And Rodgers is a young kid trying to play center, doing his best. So I'm not saying he's not trying to do his best, but recognize you're having difficulty there. In fact, it was 38-28 when you had a bad snap and Cody had to roll to his right to try to make a play happen. He got stripped of the football and that changed the momentum of the entire football game. I thought for a moment when it was 38-28, hey, these guys are going to come back and get it done. I really started to see the momentum and the doubt of the crowd. When the crowd starts to have a doubt, then the team starts to have a doubt. You go through that. And I saw that happening. I said, nope, and then a mistake caused that to happen. Early in the game, uh, they ran uh, one of the plays when the back goes into the into the line of scrimmage, turns around and tosses the ball back to the quarterback, and he throws a pass. Well, 
the toss on that play wasn't perfect. You should have maybe a more uh, senior leading or junior like Justin Davis doing that play when it's a special play because he is more mature than Ronald Jones. Not that Jones isn't a great kid, but he's a freshman. So let somebody with more experience do that, not talking only about pass blocking techniques and all the other things that happen in the defensive side of the line and containing. We could go on and on and on and on. But when you're at this point of the season, you got to look well coached and you got to look like a team that beats you is better than you. And when you watch that game, it was a disappointing performance as far as by the USC team. Disappointing performance when you, when you know you have great athletes and when you know that this game means so much, yet to me it looks like you make Vernon Adams look like a superstar. I mean, he should be up for the Heisman Trophy, which really, he's a good little player, but he isn't that good. <laughs> I mean, let's make him hurry his throws. Let's get after him. So, you know, there's a lot of things where you can make people look real good, and the player's really not that good. It's maybe you're making him look that good. And I'm sorry I rambled on so long with the first question here today. <laughs> That's okay. We got, well, you actually touched on Chandler's from H Town. He was saying the same thing about Iman Marshall. And, uh, you know, but he, he, his main point was in the whole question about is USC not developing this talent? And he gave an example of Iman Marshall that he really should be playing safety and not corner. Um, USC brings, there's a lot of talent questions kind of like this coach where USC brings in and all opposing coaches talk about how talented USC is. But Chandler wanted to know, is it, what do you think? Is it just their lack of development with this talent? Well, you know, I don't see people getting a lot better as they stay there as as their years go by. I don't I don't see that. I don't see like Cody right now looks tired to me, looks worn out to me. Uh, he looks like the four years at, at USC or five years have really taken a toll on him. When he ran that one play, which he got a first down, he looked like he lumbered. I mean, he really, he really it was an effort for him to run that ball, and I think that. Um, it's, I think that they, it really, I think you got to help him a little bit more and you got to help the team when you're not, when you're making a lot of mistakes and obviously you're not getting all the communication you're supposed to get from the sideline to the quarterback, to the team to run it. And I've been saying this all along. Why not huddle up? Why not rather than stand on the line of scrimmage, look to the sideline and, and wait for the play. Why not just get in the huddle and wait for the play, call the play, look at everybody's eyes, and go out and run the play. Any questions, ready, break. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that when you're making fundamental mis mistakes like like jumping off sides, illegal procedures, stupid things like that, well, you're not communicating like, listen for the snap. It's on two. It's on sound. There's no, no snap cut. Just, you know, you sort of reassure and remind everybody about, Hey, how difficult it is to hear. So let's make sure we communicate. And if you're a receiver, if we're audibleizing, then of course, you know, you have signals with the quarterback to the receiver on exactly what it means. So I've said, I don't think that I see the progress. Like in the offensive line. Here you have an offensive line that has all these experienced players coming back. And I understand they've had injuries, but everybody's had injuries. But I don't see them dominating the offensive line like they should as they, in their second year. Uh, you know, yes, they do get contact on them. And, and, and really, they're in great holes when Justin Davis runs the plays. He does this because he is just a, a great, tough winner. 
the way he played against Oregon. He was one guy that if all 22 guys played at the level of he played against Oregon with 141 yards, hey, it might have been a different result. But he came to play. But, you know, that's all of me. I don't coach the team. But I don't. I I watch like you do to see the development of players. As far as are they are are they getting better? Are they developing? Are they making less mistakes? Don't beat yourselves if you have a great roster. You know, let somebody beat you, because everybody wants to beat USC. You know that. You're the number one ticket. You hear the players after the game. Well, you know, uh, they didn't recruit me. They didn't visit me. So I wanted to prove to them they're taking team pictures after the game as far as with their friends, as far as who they played against. Hey, you know, to me, I would look at my players and say, how can you stand out there and take a picture with a teammate after they beat the crap out of you? I mean, you should be in the locker room with me crying or upset or embarrassed. You know, maybe it's different today. I guess it's different. But smiling after a game you lose, hey, if there was one sound on the plane or bus coming home when we worked so hard to accomplish a goal, I would, I'm not going to say throw anybody out of the airplane, okay? <laughs> but I would, I would let people know there's no drinks. There's no anything. You just sit there and replay it. And uh, when we get through back to school, you know, we got to get better because we still have a chance to to win it all. So, you know, but you got to get better. You're not going to win it all. Um, Coach, good one there. Uh, let's see. Okay, so I'm going to read you three different – these are three different voicemails that were too long. I'll just give you a little synopsis. Um, Don from the East Coast, sorry, it was about two minutes long. Too long. But he was, he was talking about the type, he didn't know which type of defensive scheme USC runs. They should do, they don't do any bump and run. So that was kind of his kind of rant on that. We had Kyle, who had also a voicemail that was too long. He was at the game, um, and he was, you know, complained about the receivers being wide open, the lack of composure with all the penalties. But he gave hats off to Juju Smith and Justin Davis. Uh, but he didn't think the team looked prepared. And then he actually called back and left another voicemail that was too long. Um, he was really taking this loss personally, but, uh, he, he also agreed with you, coach. He didn't like the players taking, uh, photos with everybody after the game. So he, he kind of agreed with your point there. And then, uh, Ed Duncan from the high desert called in. Again, it was too long. And he said, uh, they have to make a change. Uh, they need a superstar guy to come in and, uh, turn this program around. So, uh, a bunch of voicemails. So we want to play them all, but I don't think we could have played them all today anyway. But if they're that long, we're definitely not going to play them. Um, if you want to comment on that, Coach, or I was going to go to the next question, whatever you feel like. Well, let me just make this comment okay. since we're, we're talking about this stuff. You know, whenever you have six touchdown passes thrown against you, and the first in the history of school history of six touchdown passes being thrown against you, there's nothing to be feeling real good about. And there's got to be a reason why that happens. And you've got to go back and say, what did we do wrong? And there's a lot of things I can see that wasn't the way it should be. Defense has no identity. I mean, really, uh, when you don't put pressure on a guy and they went to a three-man front for a period of time and they just went right down this field and scored, you got to put pressure on a kid like Vernon Davis. you got to make him run around. Yet he runs around pretty good and still throws the ball pretty good. He was really accurate, so let's give him credit. But also, there was a lot of guys wide open, too. Maybe you and I could have thrown that football. And then I don't believe ever, ever, that USC has stopped the outside option. Not that they ran it, but if you watch Vernon Davis or Vernon Adams keep the ball, if he'd have kept the ball on the 
uh, bootlegs, he'd have still been running. I mentioned it on the show in the morning yesterday. He'd, he'd have just been entering, well, yesterday morning he was entering the Los Angeles County, and I don't know where he would have been as far as if he'd have ever kept the football. They didn't need to run that play. But there's no contain on the USC defense, no contain. You've got to pressure a guy like that up the middle, and then you've got to contain him, and you can't let him get away. You know he can't see as well as everybody else, but if you allow him to have time, sit back and look at the field and have all day to throw the football, he's going to find somebody. And when you have breakdowns in the secondary, then that makes it, makes it even worse. When I, when, I, when I saw the halftime stats, 31 points in the first half. We all know that. 407 total yards. Uh, Vernon Adams, what was he, 13 for 14 for 313 yards and four TDs? Ryan, you tweeted that out. That's how I got that. <laughs> got really? follow, follow me on Twitter, at Inside Troy. I had no, I mean, I didn't know the stats. I knew the stats would have been big, but when I saw it, I said, you got to be kidding me. Uh, absolutely astonishing. So, you know, and then nothing against, ah, darn, I hate to say things about coaching, but <laughs> to say I have to watch the tape when I get back to see what went wrong? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, that was Watch bad. the tape. I mean, Ryan, I, I was saying you better. Well, what, what, I, what I think he should have done, honestly, I'm telling you the truth. As soon as I'd have seen those breakdowns, if I'd have been the head coach, and I'm not saying to say Clay Helton didn't do a good job, but I'm saying I'd have told Justin Wilcox, you get out of the booth, you're doing this no good up there. Get down here and communicate with your players on the defensive side of the football. They're breaking up. Don't have some of these other coaches do it, not that they don't know what they're supposed to do, but you're in charge of the defense during the game. Come down here. Get them to line up properly. Get them to put pressure, contain, get in the right coverages. Do what you got to do. Don't sit up there all day, but you're not communicating with the team, the defensive side of the football. And I've had that happen before when the defensive played so poorly that I've told the defensive coordinator who's in the box, just get in the elevator and get down here right away because it's a mess down here and you better straighten it out. <laughs> well, you're fired up, Coach. That's good. I don't think we're going to – No, just – you know, I started this this podcast very calm today. You did. But, but then the... you start asking these questions. And, Holy Christ. Right. Well, we're never going to get through all of them, unfortunately. But it's good because we're getting the passion out of you. I love it. We'll do our best. Like I said, there's so many that have come in today, specifically for you. Um, John Abrea, let's go to him. He says, it really seems as if the defensive game plan versus Oregon had USC's defensive players thinking too much. Instead of letting them be athletes, pressuring the quarterback and flying around the football, Coach Wilcox had them confused and trying to outthink the Oregon offense. I felt bad for the players. UCLA's offensive system is a bit more straightforward than Oregon's. Do you think Coach Wilcox will stop trying to prove how smart he is and just let players have some fun and play with speed? Am I oversimplifying things? Thanks for taking the time to answer my question. Fight on, uh, John in Brea, California. Well, we go, go back, we go back and, uh, it's something that I say all the time and I hate to repeat myself, but there's not a lot of words to say. You know, I've always said when you take the athletic ability out of the player, the player is a normal player. He's not a great player anymore. When a player has to think what he has to do, he's not reacting to the play. He's thinking about what he has to do and react to. It's better to stay simple, line up, have three or four type of coverages, have uh, five stunts in different alignments, and just get 
after people. Just get after people. Pull face masks off the helmets if you have to. I know I'm not, I'm not really telling you the term that I want them to do, but it's the spirit of what I'm saying. It needs to be done on defense. Defense, you've got to play angry. You've got to play aggressive. You got to play on their side of the football, and you got to feel that football. They got my football. I want it back. And that's the way you got to play. And you got to have fun, and you put your guys over there. They got a chip on their shoulder in a way. Somebody's stolen something from them. Somebody's taken that football away from us, and we want it back. Don't come into our neighborhood when you cross the 50-yard line, but if you cross the 50-yard line, we're going to hurt you. So, you know, that's the way you play defense. Simple, aggressive, and I think I explained exactly. Make sure your athletes know what they're supposed to do and then get them in the right position, the position they should be playing, not what the NFL thinks they should be playing, and get them in a position to let them play. All right, let's go back to a voicemail question. Here we go. Hello, Ryan and Coach Hyde. This is Don in Upland, California. USC's football season has certainly been a big disappointment to many USC football fans, as well as I. There used to be a saying at the end of Monday Night Football, turn out the lights, the party is over. Thus is the case for USC. There are many reasons why this is the case, too many to mention. I will say this, though. Oregon's game plan was to pass. USC has got to have one of the worst pass defensive secondaries in the Pac-12, and Oregon was all over it. I don't believe USC will fare any better against UCLA. They have a pretty good passer also. Well, in closing, I hope that USC can get a new head coach and coaching staff who will develop the team into a winning season next year. Fight on. USC. Well, thank you very much uh, for your call. Um, we've somewhat covered a lot of that as far as the secondary is concerned. Uh, maybe I can hit on a point that uh, that question hasn't come in with that, but uh, about this question. But when I watch uh, the USC team play, and most of you understand the game of football, when when people are pressuring you, then you've got to have plays to be able to say, we can't stun anymore. We can't pressure anymore because they're burning us. So when you see uh, certain alignments and you know they're coming, you've got to be able to audibleize and take advantage of a 50-year quarterback, and USC does not do that. Uh, that's, that's one thing about being a, a senior and leader and know the offense. And when you have too much, you can't do that. You, you don't have a simple draw, a simple draw series that you should have as far as keeping the, the rush down and making sure that they say, watch the draw, watch the draw, watch the screen, watch the screen. But there isn't any. So they don't have to say, watch the draw. They don't have to say, watch the screen. And they don't have to worry about the quarterback scrambling and making a, a big play. Because it doesn't happen. I think I saw Cody, but the only way Cody's running is he's running for the sideline. I mean, as far as because of the, a breakdown in the play or they're trying to run that rollout play or whatever they want to call that. Uh, he's, he, so the quarterback at USC is never headed towards the goal line. 
they did run it once the other day, but that wasn't a call play. That was a breakdown where he got that first down and scrambled, really lumbered for that first down. But he got it. So they, they, you've got to be able, when you design your offense or design your game plan, is to make sure that you utilize what your offense is and how you're utilizing it. And I don't see that. First of all, I don't see this offense fitting the personnel of USC. And I think when Steve Sarkeesian came to USC, he didn't have that type of quarterback that runs his type of offense. He had quarterbacks that are pro-style quarterbacks. They are more of the drop-back eye type of, of, of quarterbacks like Michigan State's quarterback or Michigan or those type of guys that want to line up and beat you to death. Play-action pass, run a little bootleg, do some things, establish the run, own the line of scrimmage, and, and that's the type of quarterbacks USC has, and that's what Max Brown is. That's what Sam Darnold is. This is what the future is. They are not a spread type of offense because when you watch uh, Cody run the, the, the play action off of the uh, read zone or read whatever you want to call the damn thing, uh, everybody calls it differently, he doesn't even carry out with the fake to at least hold the backside because he knows himself he's never going to run the football. So you've got to complete a series completely where – this goes after that, and that goes after this, and you and you hustle when you run a fake. You know, sometimes when you watch Vernon Adams run the ball, you think he has the ball, but he didn't have the ball. He handed it off to Freeman, or any of these great offenses that you watch to run the spread offense, the same offense that USC is running. So they run a little bit of that. They run a little bit of I. They run the spread. They run all different portions of different offenses. You've got to run the offense that fits your personnel, and you've got to have everything off of it with counters, traps, draws, whatever it might be, to simplify it so that you know if they do this, I do that. So that's one thing I think there's no continuity in what they're trying to do on offense, and I don't blame anybody for this. I think it just keeps multiplying where, you got 31 flavors ice cream out there, and you sort of reach in the hat and you try that play. All right, thanks for that, Coach. Let's uh, let's see. We'll move on to Jesse, U.S. Army retired. He said, I "Just finished watching the game on my DVR. To be honest, USC did not play that bad. That's an interesting take, Jesse. Uh, we ran the heck out of the ball and controlled the clock. Our defense on defense, we didn't pressure the quarterback until late in the third quarter, beginning of the fourth." It seems like the big plays and the inability to sack or pressure the duck quarterback was our undoing. We played very hard and actually got stops then uh actually got stops then in past years. Uh I'm glad we can still pick ourselves up and play for the Pac twelve South. No need to hang our heads. Beat the ruins. Uh love the show, fight on. Rose Bowl baby, uh Jesse Rodriguez. I don't know which game he was looking at, but I didn't see the same one, I think, coach. Well Jesse, I'll tell you what, I love positiveness. <laughs> I do. Positivity's I like what good. you say. Positivity's I do. Good. You know what I mean, Ryan? I, I like guys that, you know, he's doing what we should be doing and what the team should be doing, looking forward to beating UCLA. But USC can beat UCLA. People, don't be surprised they go out there and spank them. They have the ability to do that. You know, this is one of those one-game seasons. Now, who cares what the record is? I know it's for the Pac-12 South Championship. Who cares? you got to win the game or all that other stuff doesn't mean anything. 
so you know you got to get out there you got to practice you got to do what it's done and you got to go out there this is you know everybody knows everybody but everybody knows everybody and on every team and now anyway they're in all these summer leagues and announcing on national tv and you know, they probably text each other before the game in the locker room. How you doing over there? Have you taped your ankles yet? I, there's the, the oldest, this, all these new things, these players, there's no secrets between each other and whatever. So to have that self-pride in yourself and your team is something you have to have. And you've got to believe that you can beat UCLA. You've got to believe that you're going to beat UCLA. You can't say, I think we can beat them you got to say, we are going to beat them. And you got to start the game with that type of attitude, and you got to continue with every play being a dominant play, every play communicating, not just the people on the field, but the people on the sideline. They got to be in the game, all the backup players and the people that should be on the sideline as far as people who are not talking with the players, but people that are part of the team bus, let's say, or the people that are part of the party that is representing and making something happen at USC on the field. Everybody can get together after the game and celebrate about the victory. But you need to have that type of attitude. And Jesse, I'm glad that you brought that up because a lot of this show or podcast today has been a lot on the negative side. And so I want to go positive here. And I want to say, yes, USC can show up. Yes, USC should win that football game. Yes, and if I'm in the locker room, I'm saying we will win this football game. We will win this football game. And that's the way all of the fans and all of the people have got to feel going into this football game. Not a, oh, well, can we beat UCLA or this and that. Hey, we can beat UCLA. We're going to beat UCLA, and that's what the message should be. All right, let's uh, let's go on to another um, voicemail here. Here you go. Hi, Ryan. This is uh, Al from uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, make this as quick as I can. For Coach RBI, um, do you think that uh, uh, Coach uh, Hilton, even though they lost, do you think he's, he's a leader of of this team? Do you think he's a good enough coach to be a USC coach? I know he could coach at Houston and San Diego State and things like that. Um, since the players love him and he seems like he's teaching them something, seems like they're playing better. I just don't think there's just not enough talent completely, especially on the defensive line. Um, so that's my question, uh, Coach. Again, if you uh, you know since you can read people, you know a good coach, you know one. Is this guy a good enough coach to coach? USC. Thank you. Fight on forever. I love this show. Can't do without it. Take care. Well, thank you very much and happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, let me say, it's hard to to evaluate a coach when he comes into a position halfway through the season and has all the pressures that he has on him and working with his peers. These guys that are his assistants were peers. They were equal to him. Unless he, he had the coordinator name, of course, but he, they were equal, you know, uh, to him. And now he's their boss. He wants to be their friends, yet he's got to be the authority of a head football coach. So I don't know if you really see the real Clay Helton. He's running an offense and a defense. 
that on the defensive side of the football, he probably didn't have one darn thing to say about it being the offensive coordinator under Steve Sarkeesian. So they're running a defense that is something that Justin Wilcox believes in, and that's what Steve Sarkeesian bought. And brought. In fact, I think they've paid a million dollars and bought him out of his contract in Washington to get him released to come to USC. So he he's rolling with that. Now, sure, he's giving him suggestions. Hey, coach, we got to do this. We got to do that. And he's going down and talking with the defensive lines and trying to, and, and, you know, give them a few t- uh, techniques and so on. But the defensive package is not his or his philosophy, possibly. It's what was given to him. On the offensive side of the football, he's he's got responsibility as an offensive coordinator, but was he really the offensive coordinator? I don't believe he was. I think it was Steve Sarkeesian's offense, and he had the title. And then um, when things were sort of struggling there, he was then given the uh, uh, assignment to call the plays, to take pressure off of Steve Sarkeesian and to see if it would lighten the load, and they said to allow him to become a better head football coach and be the the front end of the football program, uh, hoping that would work out. So, you know, we've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's working under really difficult situations, ladies and gentlemen. It really, really is. Like, if he goes in there and rips on one of the coaches, they, they, they look at him and say, who do you think you are? You were riding at the back end of the bus where we were a couple of weeks ago. And all of a sudden, now here you are, Tommy Trojan. You know, this is the type of things you're looking at because these guys realistically are knowing they got to find a football job. And their first priority, probably in their minds, whether you think it's right or wrong, is their family, what's going to happen, I'm going to get fired during the holiday season, got to move my family, got to take my kids out of school, got to do this, got to do that, because of all the rumors and what's going on. And again, even if Coach Clay Helton is given the job, is he going to keep us? So that's all happening. So they're doing a little brown nosing too. They got to make sure on both ends of the job, it's it's getting done. So you know you can't blame the coaches. Yet you understand the situation that Clay's in a very difficult situation. So is he really demonstrating how good of a head coach he could be? I don't think he can. I think it's really hard. Now, you ask about the players loving him. They love that Orgeron, too. I think that is something that the players love me at one time, too, but in an administrator's mind, they don't care. They got to do what the boosters want, yeah. where the high pressure is, the guys that are going to give the money for the Coliseum renovation, uh, how they feel about all of this. The players are probably the last one they're thinking about. Can you believe that? Yet they say oh, it's the player's experience. We want to do Yeah, they do. But probably in the decision of who the head football coach is going to be at USC, Ryan, and everyone listening, I hate to say this, it's probably the last priority on their list. So we'll see what happens with this, and I think that's the best way I can explain that question thank you very much all right um thanks for that one coach yeah i agree with you there uh let's go let's move on this is uh rex from georgia first love the show i'd love to see a game in person and meet you too that would be an awesome day well come on out anytime rex just let us know uh on defense having lost the two linebackers i think the best thing 
we could do for the UCLA game is to go with a four-man front. I would have Townsend, Woods, Simmons, and Pallon out there together using the bigger guys in Simmons and Pallon to, to – they've been much more disruptive lately. Then I would sub in some of the younger guys in spots to relief for relief and bring outside pressure with defensive backs and, of course, Sua Craven. On offense, I think the best game plan uh, – the best game we played was with Zach Banner at left tackle. I don't know if I would move Wheeler to the right side or just go with Chuma, but it seems that Wheeler is getting beat and letting backside pressure on Cody – like when he was hit from behind and fumbled against Oregon. What does Coach Hyde think? Fight on, beat the Bruins, Rex from Georgia. Well, I'll tell you what, you've been watching the same game I have. Ryan, how many, uh, it was the Utah game when uh, Banner played left tackle, and what did I say after that? You should play there. You liked it. You sh- I liked him at left tackle. They had a running game to the left side. If you ever watch USC, I know, what what a stupid thing I just said, if you ever watch. Well, you all watch the games, but did you, you watch it as closely to see that the running game to the right is far more productive than to the left? Basically, when they run the ball to the left, they say, oh, no, because they get most of their yards on the right side of the football. I, I could, I could, I, I could, I haven't even broken it down in the computer, but in the computer, all these plays are broken down. I know exactly what hole, which way, what hash mark, and all of that that they're running. Very few plays, they run plays only to the left just to sort of balance out so they can't say they're 100%. In my mind, I'm thinking this, 100% to the right as far as a running football team. Sometimes they even run into the short side of the field. And sometimes I wonder if that's the play to call into the short side of the field, especially the stretch. It just stretches the play that you run in the middle of the field or the wide side of the field where you give the back an opportunity to use his athletic ability to either take it inside or outside, find the opening and hit it. So, yes, I think uh, Zach Banner uh, improves a lot the offensive line when he's at a left tackle. And uh, you always see uh, breakdowns that you don't see running as good there. And I'm not saying uh, Wheeler isn't trying and doing his best job, but he certainly did upset me the other day with that penalty and then shoving that guy in the face mask that stopped a great, big drive there that was that that was the drive that made it change the game got to have composure not to say wheeler didn't uh, banner didn't jump off sides too and try to point around like it was somebody else's fault it was your fault idiot <laughs> i mean you know excuse me for talking like that especially if you're Zach's father, who comes at a pre-pregame show, I didn't mean it in that way, but he'll smash me like a grape and I become a wine, but, but, uh, or maybe a raisin. But, uh, you know, and I'm sure his dad would tell him the same thing. Son, you got to pay attention. You got to be alert. So uh, who would play the right tackle? I don't know, but I'm sure they got some players that can play that right tackle. They have depth, I think, that... Uh, Davis uh, could. I think I thought he had a pretty good game. I don't know what anybody else thinks, but number 77 for a first starting game. But, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that can be moved around. There's a lot of things. When you're in this type of situation, it's easy to say we should be doing this and doing that and doing that. When you're winning, nobody says, or you know, what? everything's great. Winning solves everything. I think that's the best way to put it. You're doing everything right when you're winning. When you're losing, you're doing everything wrong. So, and at USC, there are certain expectations as far as when you coach there, when you buy season tickets there, 
when you pay for what you pay to see USC football and with the pride in the program at USC. There's such a traditional pride there that a 7-4 record or 7-5 record or an 8-5 record is not good enough. So at a lot of schools, they'd be dancing in the streets if they could have an 8-5 an or 8-4 season. But at USC, no. And that isn't going to be what people are looking for, especially after you see the recruiting classes and so on, the five stars of this to that to publicize. It cost Jerry Faust his job at Notre Dame because he had three or four number one recruiting classes in the country, yet he only won five or six football games a year. So the first thing you say, you know, we're getting all these great players. He must be a terrible coach. So it's better to say we're not getting any of these great coach players, and all of a sudden you're a great coach. And uh, so there's, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. All right, let's uh, move on. We're rolling right along here. We'll try to get to as many Guys as are you working think. me to death. I know. Well, yeah. Well, you give these long answers. I need coach. a pay raise, man. We get you got the long answer, so it's harder. Um, hey, Wes. <laughs> Brian and the Beham, uh, SEC fan in SEC country, wanted to get Coach Hyde's perspective on a few things from the loss to Oregon. One, I believe Cody should be taking snaps under center. Two, while I applaud uh, Iman's efforts out there at corner, he may be best suited at safety. We already talked about that one. Um, last to play the linebackers, I don't believe that we're ready. Uh, in the last, uh, in the least, for a matchup, uh, I'm optimistic for the game against UCLA. There's still a chance. Fight on. P. I agree with the fans coming down hard on the coaching staff for not having the players ready for the game. What I don't agree with is the fans that bash the players. These kids risk life and limb for our entertainment. It's unfair that they are bashed in any way. Uh, say that again at the end there. Uh, so he doesn't like when the the, the players get bashed. But uh, the main part of the question. Um, he thinks Cody should take uh, snaps under center. What do you think? Well, I do too, uh, especially when you can't snap the ball uh, properly the entire game. I'd rather have the guy blocking than snapping, you know, and, and blocking and getting the snap back there. Because think about it, ladies and gentlemen, you're standing back there five yards off the line of scrimmage, and you got to first of all think, where's the ball going to be? Before you start to do your reads or hand off the football or anything else. And I'll tell you, it's scary standing back there. You think I'm kidding you. It's scary standing back there. And if you think it's fun, let me give you a football. Stand back there five yards, and I'll tell the left tackle, don't block your guy. And you see how it feels when you get hit, okay? It is like getting hit by a super train. It hurts. So when the ball goes rolling back there, it, it really, you're immediately, uh, whether you believe it or not, the first thing you look to see is across the line of scrimmage to see if anybody's coming or penetrating before you can even hand the ball off or throw the ball down the field. So to eliminate that and make it simpler, not only for Cody, don't you think it'd be simpler for Rodgers, the center, to know that the guy, oh, I don't have to do that anymore. Thank God. I can just snap the ball to the quarterback, and the quarterback can now run the offense, and I can block the football guy. So the block, the defensive lineman. So it, I think it would just accomplish, accomplish something. It would eliminate that thinking process we talk about. All of that, it just makes everything. The game of football is simple. You hear me always say, don't beat yourself. When the ball's rolling back there, you're beating yourself. It seems simple. You're a genius by saying that. 
You're a genius by bringing that up. Because you see that, I just hope other people see that, including the coaches. Let's go. We got one last voicemail question, then a few more uh, email ones. Oh, we'll Ryan. We'll see how many we get to. Maybe we won't get to that many. But here's the last voicemail question for you. Hey, uh, <laughs> Ryan and Coach. Uh, this is Jeff in the OC. Just came out of church. Had to say a few prayers for our Trojans. They're going to need it against UCLA this coming week. Just wanted to check in. I had a theory. Um, you know, we talked about the sanctions ending, and of course, yeah, we did have a great recruiting class, at least on paper, uh, thanks to Steve Sarkeesian. But don't you think that uh, our upper class classes uh, that are obviously down in numbers is still the big reason why we're just not performing, certainly at this state, stage of the season? And I don't see any really good prospects from that group going to the NFL, and it seems to me that's what's really hurt us so to me the sanctions still are are hurting us and you know until we can get full classes all the way through freshmen you know up to senior uh you know we'll, we'll struggle hopefully not but just wanted your thoughts on that what do you guys think that you know uh, i hate to say it but i think sanctions still are hurting us uh, take well, care guys good luck happy thanksgiving Thank you very much, and happy Thanksgiving to you. Well, you know, we've been through this sanction stuff so many times, talking about, obviously, there's no question it hurt. But I don't know if it's hurting this team. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Coach. Yeah, I think that I think this team is hurting itself more than the sanctions hurting it. Uh, the recruiting classes have been good, which they should be at USC. It's taking the talent and utilizing it and making sure they get better every day. Every day in every way, I get a little bit better and better, including myself as a coach. And you teach that and you develop that, and and that should come along. I don't think it's a talent thing. I think it's communication and also execution as far as communicating is executing. I know and rhythm, series, and keeping it simple. If you have better players than somebody else, don't get fancy. Just do things. And I think also at, at times I don't see people, it's hard to say this, but I don't see young people getting better as they should. Sometimes when you get five-star players out of high school, and this happened to me, Sometimes they're already developed to the level of as good as they can get. They're older. They're mature. They've been lifting weights since they were in the crib. They've been throwing footballs since they were in a stroller. I mean, and all of a sudden they reach a limit of, hey, this kid isn't going to get any faster, bigger, or quicker, or anything else. And then you have others that come by and pass them by because they're willing to redshirt and, and get there. So I'm not saying that's the fact here, but I'm saying you have to evaluate everything. As we've talked about the early morning practices, we've talked about this, we've talked about that. Well, you have to examine everything to see why aren't these great athletes and coaches who are supposed to be at that level. If you coach at USC, you hear me use this term, it's the White House in college football, why the teams are more dominant 
and why other teams can play with these teams when they don't have as good as recruiting classes or supposedly you hear every coach say, oh, their roster, before they play them, their roster is so talented. Okay. In a way, they're saying, if I beat them, then I'm a better coach than them. So there's always a reason coaches say things, too, to get their team fired up because their kids get scared. And sometimes it's good to play scared because you sort of get a little bit more adrenaline going. Because, you you know, if you're a little guy fighting a big guy, how do you feel? I'm a little scared. Of this guy might kick my butt. So you got to play at a different level of intensity to make sure that doesn't happen. And you also coach a little bit better when you coach against the big guy. So I think that's the best way to answer that. All right. Well, Coach, we have a bunch more. I'll do one more because then we're going to let you go. I feel bad. This is uh, taking so long. So I'm sorry for well, all I the can other really people. tell. I, I do feel bad. So Jamal, Bill in Las Vegas, uh, the G, um, Derek. Sorry we didn't get to your questions. Uh, what, this, we'll do this last one. He's a former player of yours uh, from 74-75, Pasadena Mac. He says, I watched the game, rewound tape, and watched again. This was a complete team loss. Our players are not playing to their athletic talent. It's a football team mostly devoid of passion. They appear confused, uh, constrained, and undisciplined. They do not play football fast because their talent is inhibited. Gentlemen, in some cases, our players have been playing the game 10, 12 years, 100-plus game, hundreds of hours of practice, etc. Other than Sua Cravens and Justin Davis, I saw every player slow down, Stop playing, hold back, look confused, and stop pursuing, blocking, running during plays. Uh, strangely, the first time I've ever seen this, if you watch the first long pass touchdown from Oregon, Chris Hawkins grabs his mouthpiece to insert it in his mouth while in pursuit of the receiver. I did not see that one. I'd have to go back and look. I do not agree that USC has the most talented team in the Pac-12, but I am likely to agree they are the least mentally prepared team in the Pac-12. When you have this issue, emotionally and mentally versus physical, how do you get players to focus, uh, passionately engage, and play above their talent? That's from Pasadena Mac, your former player. Pasadena Mac, I'm trying to figure out. I don't know if I ever had a Mac, but I tell you, you're, you're giving me a, a, a real thought on who you are. No, but I tell you, you're intelligent, you're football smart, and you don't have to be intelligent to be football smart. You got to know the game of football and you watch it and you played it and you know exactly what to look for. And uh, I think you sort of, Mac, uh, summarized it. Uh, when you give a kid too much to eat, he wants to go to sleep. Or if I eat too much, I want to go to sleep. I don't want to really do anything activity. Well, it's the same thing if you give a player too much, then that player. Uh, is thinking and not playing football and being aggressive. You've got to know how to get a guy ready to play. And you don't play, get him ready on Wednesday, get him ready on Saturday. Uh, aggressiveness is what this game is. And uh, I tried to explain this at passing the quarterback club where I spoke last Friday, that you train these guys to be gladiators. And you go in there and you've got to have that same feeling that when you go on the field, that only one of us are going to come out of the arena. And I think that's the way you have to train football players. You got to train them to be, uh, hey, this is it. This is what I went to school for. This is my life. Yes, I'm going to get an education out of it, but thank you, football, for giving me this opportunity. I'm going to remember every one of these moments the rest of my life. I'm going to remember 
the good things, but the most I'm going to remember is the bad things. Why? I can tell you every football game I lost, not every football game I won. So it's very important that everybody understands that. Mac, if you remember the talks I used to have with you and the drums I used to have in the locker room and and the, the area or the, of what we did certain things uh, in room 210 on Friday afternoons when I came back from quarterback club and we met up there at Pasadena City College and I would give you a pep talk about what I told the Pasadena quarterback about, about you guys and our opponents. And remember the discipline that we had that we didn't talk and we were alert when we went through every single thing that we did and focused only on one thing, and that was the game. It's all part of that. And being aggressive is what it is because we would go back and we would say, look at this gut play. We would cut out plays of great plays in the game, and we would cut out plays and make a tape of tales or tapes and plays that would that beat us. And we'd show them. And the pride of a player would come up and say, hey, you know, the players would initiate what I needed as far as an effort, but they'd go to other players and tell them, hey, we got to get that effort. That's not good enough. It's got to come from within. You can't have fake fire. It's got to be the real deal. So I think that you teach that with the beginning and people understand it. And uh, at a school such as USC, you come with that in your heart, and you keep it in your heart your whole life. All right, Coach, great stuff. And, again, thanks for everyone for sending all those questions. And thank you, Coach, for hanging out with us and doing your best to answer them all. So many people writing in after and calling in after USC's loss to Oregon. So they're trying to get it off their chest, Coach, and I think you help them do that. Well, thank you very much. And everybody out there, happy Thanksgiving. I apologize uh, for not getting to all of your questions. But, again, uh, take care of yourself. Have a safe holiday, and we'll be back with you next week. All right. Thanks, Coach, and everyone else. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We really enjoy you coming on and sending all those questions in. Now, here's a quick quick note from our sponsor at Southern California Tickets. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concerts, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.